I'm always excited and privileged to get to share with you guys and preach and teach for Pastor Chuck. And so I'm grateful. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. We're going to Exodus chapter 15 today. We've been in a series, Divine Selfies, over the last six weeks. And we've been talking about the fact that cover to cover, right, the story of God, the meta-narrative, 66 books, over 40 different authors written over a period of several thousand years, all tells the same story of who God is. And God positions himself throughout that story and gives us a snapshot or a selfie of who he is. And he displays and defines his character and what you and I can expect of him by revealing it through his names, the different names that he gives his people to call him. And so we're going to dive into one of those names this, today, but one of the couple of thoughts that I've been learning as we've been going through this series, number one is that um, God is like a diamond. Uh, the other day I was online and I'm like following this rabbit hole in my head of like, uh, a diamond is more precious, more expensive. One of the qualities that determines that is how many facets it has or how many different cuts within this diamond that reveal its brilliance. And for me, as we've been unpacking these names, I've been realizing that each of these names is like a facet of who God is. That the goal of us studying his name and unpacking these is that we would be more enamored with who he is. That each and every one of them would reveal more of his character and nature to us. The second thing I've come to realize is that my emotional feeling, right, and my ugh, wrestle internally doesn't change the fact that God is who he is. My emotional feeling about the character and nature of God does not change him. There are names of God and character traits of God that I don't often see on display. And sometimes my tension, like the name we're going to talk about today, is, oh, I don't know, I want, oh, I wrestle with it. But it doesn't change the fact that he is who he says he is. He is unchanging. And so let me set this up. Exodus chapter 15, we are three days. Say three. three. We are three days on the other side of the Red Sea with the Israelites. At the Red Sea, remember, they're running from the Egyptian army. They're being chased, and they think they are about to be annihilated. And what happens is God stops the Egyptians' army with a pillar of fire, and he parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites walk through on dry ground. Now those three words right there, on dry ground, like as a good old West Texan, right? I grew up going mudding, not mudding. Those are two different words. Okay? In Southern vocabulary, if it's missing a letter at the end of the word, it means something different, right? Mudding is different than mudding, and naked is different than naked. Those are just different words, okay? So that's Southern English for you, okay? So mudding for me was like mud, water, dirt, bad day, right? Stuck truck, mad dad. The fact that God walks millions of people across on dry ground blows my mind. It just demonstrates that God not only thinks about doing the impossible, but covering every detail along the way to make the miracle possible. God not only gets the sea parted, but he creates dry ground and safe passage, and he gets everybody through with no issues, right? And so here we are three days on the other side of this, and we find the Israelites at a place. They're needing water, and they're asking and wondering if God is going to show up. And so Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 says this, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. 
So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. Here it is. Here's our name for today. For I am the Lord who heals you. For I am the Lord that heals you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your truth. And God, we're grateful that you still do what you promised to do in John when you said that you would send the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. Lord, I just pray that as we look at Scripture, as we open it up, as we apply it to our lives and our stories, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each of us in the room, that your word would go, that it would pierce to the core of who we are, and that you, God, would do miracle work in each of our stories today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here, here's the Israelites, and they've got another water problem. Right? Three days before, they've got a lot of water, and they got to get across. Here, they don't have enough water, and the water that they do have, they can't drink. And so the Israelites, they're thinking that water is the issue. However, God, as we're going to see, uses this water as a test, as a test. A couple of weeks ago, I was standing in a classroom with a bunch of high school students, and we were talking about they had just taken a test, and I'm like, oh, man, I remember taking tests. I hated filling out Scantrons. Crickets. They're looking at me like, what's this guy talking about? Which I get a lot. I'm like, you know, Scantron's like, bring your number two pencil, fill in the circle completely. If you got to erase, don't put a hole in it, but mark it. Scantron's. Crickets. This sweet girl in the back, freshman girl, raises her hand. I'm like, what's up? She's like, what's a Scantron? I lost it. It's like, am I that old? got to take you out of the science spectrum to show you what a Scantron is. <laughs> ah. But here's the thing about a test, right? A test is used to figure out and discover if we've actually learned the content that's been presented. A test is used to figure out whether or not we know what we've been taught. And so God is using this water, this bitter water, as a test. It's as though he said, hey, on Monday, look, I am a God, and I am the God who is in charge of creation. And this big red sea, I can part it because I'm the God who is over the water. Oh, by the way, there's going to be a test on Friday. That's the answer. I'm the God who can handle water. If you've got a water issue, I'm the guy, I'm the guy who can help you, Okay. And three days later, we have a different experience. The Israelites are having a test. And God uses this test to express or explain another piece of who he is. I love how Charles Spurgeon says it. He says it this way. Our lives are the canvas upon which the Lord paints his own character. It's our lives and our story where God uses the situations, the stories, the experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly to display his character and nature to us. Our God reveals him here, himself here as I am the Lord who heals you. It's a combination of two names, right? So we've been talking about this in this series. The first name is Jehovah. 
We unpacked this one last week. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, the, the YouTube. Um, Pastor Chuck does a phenomenal job. But Jehovah means to be, to exist, or to, begun, or to become known. Uh, another way of unpacking it would be that he is the God who unceasingly reveals himself. That he is constantly revealing himself. He is constantly present. It's another way of expressing, too, the fact that he is a present God. He uses this name, Jehovah, to to give us the idea or the understanding that he is close to his creation. That there's not a moment in your life or your day where God is not Jehovah, close to you, revealing himself unceasingly. Uh, the other word here, rafa, it means to restore, to heal, or to make healthful, right? As a verb, it means to restore, to heal, to cure. But as a noun, it's the word physician. It's where we get the word physician. So we get the idea or the understanding that Jehovah Rapha, the God, he's the great physician, okay? He heals, right? Um, so God uses this water to test the Israelites' hearts, and we learn this truth about God that he is far more concerned with the internal posture of our lives than the external discomforts we may be facing. God is far more concerned with the internal posture of our lives than the external discomforts we may be facing. In fact, this truth is true. It's real. And it's hard. And it is this, that you can be right where God has called you to be and still encounter a test. The Israelites have followed God to... Uh, leave Egypt. They have followed Moses through the desert. They've followed him to the Red Sea. They follow him through the middle of the Red Sea to the other side. They follow Moses, God's man, out to the desert. And yet in the middle of following God and being right where God wants them to be, they encounter a test. In our stories, in your story, you could be exactly where God wants you to be, You could be faithful, you could be trusting, you could be doing all the things that he asks of you and still find yourself encountering a test. Pastor Chuck laid this out last week. There's the promise, the problem, and provision. I hate the middle. In my opinion, the middle of an Oreo is the worst part. I find it to be true in this as well. I love the promise. God, I love that you're faithful. I love that you show up. I love that you're good. I love that you hear. I love all these things about you. And I love when you do it. I despise the problems I face in my life that teach me about his character. Not learning about his character. I love that part. I hate the problem. But it's the problem where God gets in the middle of it and God reveals who he is. It's the tension points in our story where God shows up. He goes, ah, I'm going to use this to teach you a little bit more of who I am. A couple of weeks ago, I made the terrible decision to take 27 guys and walk across the Grand Canyon. I know. I'm an idiot. I get it. I thought, right, like I know most of these guys. Most of them I trust. I used to trust. Let me rephrase that. And I just took their word for it. I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to do the Grand Canyon. Anybody in? And these yahoos signed up. And so I'm asking, like, checking up, hey, you guys working out? Yeah, yeah, man, we've been working out. I feel great. I think they thought it was like going to Buffalo for the day, like Buffalo Springs. It's 23 miles. 
It's 11,000 feet of elevation gain. It took us 20 hours. I was like planning to be done in 12. 20 hours. One guy looked at me at one point, he's like making some noises I've never heard him make personally. Just like whistling and I'm like, you're all right, man. He's like, I did not know that there was a way to light a literal fire in your chest. Something is on fire in here, and I, I don't know what to do. He learned some things about his heart and lungs. He was hurting. Doctors call this a stress test. Nonchalantly, too. When you go to the doctor, and you're like, hey, I want to do a checkup. I'm kind of hitting the season where I want to make sure we're all good. And he goes, great, let's get on the treadmill. And you're like, mm-mm. Take my blood. Do you have Instagram? Get a picture of it. Do one of those EK things. Figure it out. Get on the treadmill. I'm not getting on the treadmill. Get on the treadmill. Why? Because I want to know how your heart is. And in order to know how your heart is, the internal condition of your heart and its health, I have to put you through a stress test. I have to create stress to check your health. And God is no different. God will oftentimes put us in stressful environments to test the health of our heart. I wish it was any other way, but the reality is not. It is true that God will test your heart, and he will use the conditions in your life, in my life, to test what's at the core of who we are. See, God takes the Israelites, he makes them walk for three days, He takes them to water, and it's undrinkable. It's a test. Now, one of the ways we can interpret Jehovah Rapha is that he is the God who heals our circumstances. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals our circumstances. See, he has this moment at the Red Sea where he completely resolves their issue in a miraculous, undeniable, overwhelming show of force way. He parts the sea. It is radical. But sometimes, like at the waters at Marah, instead of changing the whole situation, he might just change an aspect of it. Like, instead of giving you all the water you can handle, he gives you just enough water, and he turns it from bitter to sweet. He may not give you a new job, but he might give you a new manager. He may not let you win the lottery, but he teaches you how to steward the dollars that you do have. The Lord didn't give them overwhelming amounts of water. He didn't miraculously change the story. What he did was he took what was bitter and he made it sweet. And the testing reveals to us and God what is present on the interior of our lives. God is all about often testing or exposing the sources that we trust. Is it God or not? Is it God or not? The Israelites had just seen God do this miracle at the Red Sea, and God is going to test to see, like, where are we? Because one, their response at the Red Sea is they write a whole song. They write a whole song, and they're singing God's praises. And then the next, just a few days later, we get grumbling and complaining, right? Exodus 14, 31 says that when Israel saw 
the great power with which the Lord had used against the Egyptians. They feared the Lord with reverence and awe-filled respect, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Fast forward three days to Exodus 15, 24. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. Three days. God sees their response to the test, and he sees the condition of their heart, and it's in this place that he chooses to reveal that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. But Jehovah Rapha comes with a disclaimer. Comes with a disclaimer. Exodus 15, 22. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will. There's the disclaimer. The beginning of the condition. If you will. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Scripture says that the Egyptians, that God sent wasting diseases among the Egyptians because they were prideful and they were idolaters. They worshipped many idols and they had many gods, and so God sent amongst them diseases to try and soften their hearts. And God says that if you will obey me, then I will keep all that from you. I love how Tony Evans says that. He says, at Marah, God was telling the Israelites they could experience the pain of the unrighteous when they adopt the lifestyle and mindset of the unrighteous. God was saying, if you're not careful with your heart, if you don't check in, if you don't pay attention, you could have what happened to them happen to you. He is the God who heals. And here's my wrestle, right? Here's why this name is hard for me. I want Jehovah Rapha to mean that anytime, any place, anywhere I pray for anybody, they're going to get healed. That's what I want, right? If, if we're honest, I want that. I want it every time I pray for somebody's situations or their circumstance or their frustrations or whatever they're going through. I want God to show up and just Red Sea miraculous moment, heal it because he's Jehovah Rapha. That's not what Jehovah Rapha reveals about God. Jehovah Rapha reveals that God is deeply concerned about our obedience and submission to him. Our obedience and submission to him, it matters. He's deeply concerned about the condition and the posture, the health of our hearts. God does heal bodies. God does do miracles. God does respond to the prayers of his people all through the story. God is showing up and doing miraculous, overwhelming, physical body, crazy things. Like he is the God who heals those things. He is the God that does those things. But when he first reveals this aspect of his character, it's about the position of hearts. What you find moving forward is often side by side is this two realities about God, that he is the God who heals our bodies, but he's also the God who heals our hearts from sin. Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Or James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. 
Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Even in Jesus' ministry, in Luke chapter 5, we find Jesus, and he is doing this. He is doing physical, miraculous healings. He has opened blind eyes. He's healed the lame. He's called the dead to life. He's opened eyes. He's cast demons out. He is the God who's doing these miraculous incredible things. And so he finds himself in a house and he starts to teach and the house just fills up. It's packed. You can't even get into it. And as Jesus is there teaching these people about the kingdom of heaven, all of a sudden he's teaching and some dudes are ripping the roof off. And there's four men who've got their buddy who's been paralyzed his entire life. And they're in the process of lowering him down through the ceiling. Now let's like put ourselves there, right? Like we've seen Jesus do healing. He's done the physical. We're here because we're captivated by what he's done, what we've seen. And all of a sudden, it's Larry. Now, if your name's Larry, I apologize. I use Larry in all my illustrations. And a Larry did come up to me after the last service, and he was like, my name's Larry. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I have to come up with a new name. There's Larry. And if you grew up in the area, you know Larry. Larry's been paralyzed since he was born. Like, his entire life, Larry has been paralyzed. No walking, no moving, just Larry, same mat, same place, every day. And so when we see this, right, like we see Larry, we know like you can see that Larry's got a problem. And so we're thinking like, ah, this is it. Jesus is the dude that heals things. And here's the thing that needs to be healed. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. Luke chapter 5, verse 20. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young men, your sins are forgiven. Period. I know it was Peter. We all know it was Peter. Jesus. He's paralyzed. It's Larry. Like, you know Larry. He just wants to walk. John, you tell him. He loves you like you tell him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Jesus used a physical healing to demonstrate Jehovah Rapha, that he is the God who heals our hearts. The four friends think the worst thing about their friend is that he can't walk. And Jesus sees this man, and internally Jesus goes, the worst thing about this guy is that his sin, his sin consumes his soul. 
I've got to heal it. If I'm going to do anything today, this man has to be set free from sin. Jesus looks at him and addresses the healing his heart needs first. And if I'm honest, I'm just like these four guys, these four friends. I walk around and I constantly see people in my life and I see all of the physical, emotional, mental things that are going on and I want to fix those. God, their situation, their marriage, God, their, their finances, God, they, they're sick. God, would you heal them? I want to fix those. And yet God is going, I care about that. But ultimately, do they know me? How's their heart? Is it submitted to the King of Kings? Is it washed in the blood? Is it renewed? Is it redeemed? He cares about the heart. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The condition of the water at Marah was bitter. It was undrinkable. It was unredeemable by human standards. They lost hope at the condition of the water. Do you imagine walking for three days to what you think is your salvation because you're in desperate need and only to find it's unusable? Proverbs says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. They lost hope. But God had a plan. God was the healer of the water. And the waters at Marah became sweet. They became usable and drinkable when Moses took something that did not look like the solution piece of wood. And God used it to work a miracle that saved lives. Isaiah wrote it this way in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. He said, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Here it is, verse 5. And he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds. We are healed. Jesus became the stick, so to speak, that God would use to turn the bitterness of our sin-stricken souls into a sweet offering before him. I believe that God this morning wants to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha in your life. But it may not mean what you think. He may change an aspect of your situation instead of changing the whole thing. He may heal your perspective of him instead of your body. He may heal your posture towards him instead of giving you what you want. He may use your problem to reveal his character.